What's good, classmate? It's the Dean. Today we've got a special discussion with Jansport J, a Grammy-nominated producer and beat maker out of LA. He's worked amongst the greatest, Nas, Snoop Dogg, Hit Boy, Dom Kennedy, just to name a few. We've had a great discussion about his journey, his come up, and his approach to music. I really enjoyed this one, and I hope you guys do too. If you don't know who we are, it's your first time tapping in. We are No Diploma, a worldwide community and clothing brand based out of Montreal. Check us out on all socials at No Diploma and our website at nodiploma.ca. We just dropped our latest capsule collection called Knowledge Itself. Please check that out. Enjoy the conversation. Much love. Peace. What's going on, man? Jansport, good to meet you. Nice to meet you, bro. Uh, glad we got to do this, man. I know we. I linked up... Uh, our boy Aldo with you in LA. He had a good time. Thanks yeah. for up, bro. Really appreciate that. Oh man, appreciate you having him or bringing yeah. him out, man. Yeah. Bless, bro. I've discovered you actually through um, Quadri because uh, I'm a big mm -hmm. fan of his music, and uh, I saw the project that you guys did a couple years back, and mm -hmm. that led me to to your work. And I've been just bumping some some Jansport in the morning here and there, just where, like, where. vibes right. So uh, I've been following your trajectory since then, and felt inspired and I wanted to kind of like, you know, introduce you to like our community. We have a lot of music heads too. And like, you know, just looking to shed light on emerging talent and stuff. And I just had a few questions and just wanted to curate kind of like a Q and A for you, like on our website, we have like a okay. series that we've been doing with different artists. So word, word. yeah, yeah. Appreciate Sounds good. Yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. For sure. Bless. Um, man, how did you, well, first of all, how did you start like your musical journey? um let's see the the journey started in high school um i was always uh i was a big timbaland fan and uh i just knew the first time i heard his music that i wanted to be like i looked at what a music producer actually was and i i figured out that's what i wanted to do and um high school maybe sophomore year my best friend uh zishan he uh he got fl studio uh which was like pretty new back then so Every day after school, after basketball practice or something like that, we'd uh, go to his house and just start making, you know, at first we started off just making like spoof songs and just goofy beats to do yeah. like some weird Al Yankovic type shit. But um, when he was, uh, he's Muslim. So when he would uh, go uh, to pray, he would go into the other room and I would sit there and actually try and make like a serious beat. And so really that's where it started. And um, I just fell in love with it. And uh, when I went to college, uh, we went to different colleges. And so uh, I got my first laptop and all that kind of stuff, but I didn't have FL Studio anymore. So got my first credit card and I decided to buy it. And as soon as I did that, I started, you know, I told myself, all right, I'm gonna take this seriously because I put, you know, I invested in this and uh, I'm gonna make it a real thing. Who uh, would you say like Timberland is one of your biggest influences, like starting out? Yeah, Timbaland was the spark for me. Timbaland and the Neptunes and um, even Swizz and Just Blaze, those were like the the entry points for me as far as like when I first started to want to produce. Uh, I'd say like my biggest influences would be uh, Jay Dilla, Matt Lib, mm -hmm. Ninth Wonder, Pete Rock, DJ Premier. Like those five are kind of like the magical five for me that I kind of really study and, and try to put my own sauce on things that they did. Yeah, that's that's a great list, man. That's the OGs that paved the way, really. All right, what are some of like your biggest challenges you've you've had so far? Um, the one of the biggest challenges is really just kind of um, balancing the the music and the creative with the business. 
and um, just knowing when to introduce each thing. And like, obviously, I, I, I really like to keep them separate when I'm working on the music. I want to be fully immersed in that, working with other artists, you know, just be in that mindset. But at the same time, just over the years, so many people uh, will try and take advantage of you or lowball you and stuff like that. So you also have to be um, assertive and, and firm with what your rates are and, and what you uh, what you deserve. Because, you know, I, I've been uh, doing this at a serious level for about 13 years now. So it's uh, it's still a challenge with some people. Um, I still have complete strangers who might be fans of mine and have seen all the accolades and stuff, and that's how they know me, and they still expect a, a $300 beat. <laughs> it's just like, you know, it, it doesn't work that way. Yeah, you get the DMs every single day just on some like, or even they just think it should be free. Um, but you know, it's just a it's just a fine line you got to walk, making sure you know your your business is done correctly and that you're just able to be the best creative that you can be. Man, that's so I could relate to that so much, man. Like the balance between like creativity and business, because it's like mm -hmm. it's like almost like a switch for both of them. You know, you kind of have to right. switch off and like take off that creative hat and put the business hat on and kind of switch, you know? Right. Right. For sure. Man. Yeah. Yep. Of course. What would you say is like one of your first like big placements that you've had? Oh, wow. Um, to propel. Yeah. I mean, that's tricky. It's, it's been, um, I've just kind of, I've produced so through so many eras that like yeah. each, each one felt big at the time. Like, uh, early on, like in 2009, I was on this, uh, this mixtape with a lot of local LA talent. So this is like Casey Veggies when he was new and Overdose and Dom Kennedy. And so I had a, a song with Dom Kennedy and Blue and Jack Davey, Polyester, a um, couple other people on it. But that one felt like the biggest placement at the time then. And it helped me get on two Doughboys and stuff like that. And then there was working with Snoop, uh, in 2014, I want to say, uh, getting those records on his mixtapes and some of his artist mixtapes, those were huge for me. And then obviously I'd say the most recent ones, just the the Benny the Butcher, One Way Flight and the the Nas records have been honestly the biggest ones for me. So um, I've just been blessed to always feel like, man, this is the biggest placement that I could get at this point. This is amazing. And it keeps kind of growing. So yeah. um, if I had to say the biggest one for me is obviously the Nas one. I'd say the one that uh, really kind of got me on my way, though, was early in 2009 with the uh, Blue and Dom Kenny and everybody being on the same song. Bro, congrats on that, man. That's that's massive. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Appreciate yeah. it. That's cool, man. It's like brick by brick, you know, you kind of like mm -hmm. you know, just build your way up, man. And then, you know, all the opportunities kind of serve themselves and lead mm -hmm. the next yeah. step. Yeah. Yeah. I saw you did like a Japan tour, too. I was I was really curious yeah. to know about that, like more about it, because yeah a lot of like producers doing these type of things and especially mm -hmm. worldwide you know so like yeah, yeah that was really cool um yeah man it was it was a blessing um i've i've always kind of joked uh that i just use producing as a excuse to travel and see the world i've always been like a geography nerd as a kid right. and uh there's just always parts of the world that i wanted to see and japan's always been one of those places for me and i was blessed enough to where um I want to say 2013, 2014, I started working with Delicious Vinyl and my man Tachi, who works with them as well. Uh, he's Jap Japanese, but um, he was out here in the States working with them. And so, but working with him, he kind of exposed us to 
the clothing lines out there like extra large and a bunch of other lines. And so I think back then I got early exposure through him and through Delicious Vinyl to a Japanese fan base. And a lot of people started tapping into my music and it started, you know, kind of climbing on my list of listeners and stuff like that. And so um, we got to, what was that, 2019 or 2020, right before the pandemic, uh, opportunity just to go out there, you know, just pay your own way, but get out here and we could line these shows up for you. And that's what me and my manager did, just stepped out on faith. And it was uh, one of the most uh, important things that happened for me because, you know, especially when you, when you work in LA as a, you know, upcoming independent creative artist, there's so many other people that do what you do, that it's hard to feel like you have something special or that you stand out. And so out here, you could be performing for a crowd and 80% of the crowd is also a rapper or a producer or something like that. So everybody's kind of a little cool and stuff like that. But going out to Tokyo, it was my first ever sold out shows. We did two of them. Uh, well, we did Tokyo and Shizuoka and then um, a couple other like just local shows out there, but it just opened up my mind to just how big this world is and that your music can resonate outside of just the U.S. and Canada. There's a lot of territories where they love the music that we make, but, you know, people don't come out there unless they're a major artist on a super big tour. But it's like, why not just go out there and try and touch the people and build out there? So that's what we were able to do. And that's wild. That's so I feel like that's so genius and like ahead of its time, bro. Like, just oh, man, that. I appreciate it. Like, yeah. yeah, that's and especially the, the independent route, like to do it that way, like just you and your manager heading mm-hmm. out there using the connections that you have and just facilitating mm-hmm. those things. Like, right. that's the way to do it, man. That's yeah, that's inspiring yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, we've been thinking a lot about doing like tours, like just like pop up tours with the clothes and just kind of go around mm-hmm. different states and just kind of looking over the analytics. And just kind mm-hmm. of, you know, what places have the most uh, audience. So, yeah, I'll keep right. that in mind. That's cool. Yeah. Sure, yeah, it's the best way to do it. Just pull up on people and, and make some new connections and relationships. Yeah. And I feel like you're you're good at that, too, man. Just seeing, like, your audience, too. Like, I feel like you're tapped in a lot with your community of beat makers, like, by not only, like, producing content, but also, like, IG Lives with different mm-hmm. artists and stuff like that. Like, how how important do you think that is? in today like 2022 to really like brand yourself as a producer yeah it it was super important for me because i'm a i'm a student of jay dilla so i i look at what he he did in his you know amazing lifetime and career where it's you know i approached it because i always i i like making a body of work and I resonated with Jay Dilla when he did Donuts, where it was like, man, that's exactly what I want to do. I can make instrumental albums. So with that, it's like you kind of have to you're a producer, but also just brand yourself as an artist, like make right. people feel like, yeah, like, OK, I could produce a record for this person and you'll buy it or whatever. But also just check my music out that I'm just putting out. So um, and it was the best way for me starting out to get heard, too. So I just put out instrumental albums like starting in 2009 and uh, just kept doing that and building my brand as a you know, just as my own producer artist. And that helped me uh, start to get more placements and stuff like that because people just respected what I was building on my own. And, you know, just in the process of just building my, you know, my brand and profile and stuff like that, that's when you you just kind of find yourself tapping in with your community. You're getting repeat fans and buyers and stuff like that. And um, you can kind of just see how, how it's growing and, and mm-hmm. what they're into. And, and the one thing that I try to be, cognizant of is I feel like there's a lot of um, 
I don't know if I'm doing the, the right or wrong way, but I'm doing it the way that makes sense to me. There's a lot of artists that will feel like um, they'll go over the metrics and what their fans want and all that kind of stuff. And they're just catering to whatever they want. But I just feel like, man, I'm Jasper J. I'm me. So like, I just want to do the things that I like. And hopefully if I just stay authentically true to the things that I love doing, people that love my music are going to tap into that. So it's just about tapping into what I love doing. And I even try and do that with the merchandise, like the hat that I have, I'm about to drop on Friday. It's like, you know, there's a lot of pressure to do hoodies and t-shirts and tote bags and just everything under the sun, which is dope. But it's also like, man, like I like rocking hats. I'm going to just do hats for a minute. And right. I like cassette tapes. I'm going to draw cassette tapes because it's also giving my, my fans in the audience more uh more of a glimpse into who i am the things that i like in my taste mm. and so that's just kind of how i try to approach it you know just like the things that i like and the things that i am just project it even more and put it on steroids for the people because that's yeah that's authentic to you you know at the end of the day right. like you're exposing them into the world like it's like world building you know mm -hmm. you're yeah for world. sure yeah that's dope and yeah the tapes are sick man like i i love how consistent you are too i feel like you drop like two three a year or something in the last yeah I've seen that and yeah yeah I slowed down a little bit with the madness of the the Nas <laughs> albums and stuff like that but I have another one in the clip so I'm getting ready to kind of get back on you know that just that uh wavelength of just dropping more music and stuff like that and a lot more collaboration albums I think at the moment I have like three or four that I'm working on actively just getting done and wrapped up so they can all drop this year You've got the uh, Buddha Sport one too, right? Yeah, yeah, the yeah. So me and my man Buddha Monk, who's one of the craziest producers out in Japan in the world, really. Um, but we've always known each other. Whenever he's out in LA, we link up and stuff like that. Um, so I was able to, on that Japan tour to go see his surroundings and kick it out there with him. So in between the show dates, I would just kind of go over to his crib and we would just cook up and just make some beats and stuff like that. So this project is. Uh, stuff that we worked on literally right before the pandemic and so we pretty much made all the beats and then just started reading out reaching out to artists to hop on certain joints so we we mm -hmm. got that coming out um next week uh yeah the 20th that's gonna be fire man the us japan connection you know yeah 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 and it's it's cool because we got uh we actually got a single drop on wednesday but it's uh like you said it's just we got some of the top Japanese artists and some of the top independent US artists and we're putting them on the same songs. It's not like we just have a, a Japanese song, an American song. It's like we're blending the verses and all of that. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm excited to do stuff like that and to do more with Buddha Monk like that. That's fire. I love that, man. Yeah, I love I love how like the joint albums, man. I think that's like so important in this day and age too. to mm -hmm. like, yeah, just exactly what you guys, you and Quadri did together, man. That, that was so cool because that's what exposed me to you and your work, you know? So I feel like yeah. bringing your style and like the artist style together and blending yeah. that, so nice, man. And that's that's really where my passion is at for producing. I love doing the beat tapes and stuff like that, but I'm an old school producer that wants to work with an artist on the full project. And it's like, I was just telling my friend the other day, it's like chasing the high or it's just like deciding you want to work with an artist and trying to figure out what it's going to sound like so you're getting to know them sometimes with certain artists like Stally, me and Stally would be on the phone like every other day for two hours just talking about life and that informed the type of music that we made mm -hmm. el prez we said we wanted to work on the album 
And he just said like a title that he had in mind. I'm like, that's exactly what it's going to sound like. And I'm working with this artist, AJ Snow, right now, who does kind of like car ride player music, sort of like Larry June and Dom Kennedy. And just working with him, I'm like, man, like it'd be fun for me to take kind of like my soulful style and kind of adapt more to what he's doing and make it like a little bit more fun and upbeat. So like, what does that sound like? So Mm. it's just like the challenge of getting with every artist and figuring out what kind of world can I make for them so right yeah it expands people's palettes too you know by doing Mm -hmm. that yeah yeah and it's a a good way for for people to hear you because you know there's only so many people who are used to beat nerds that want to that know everything about every producer but it's like man his fans might hear me produce for him and being like man these beats are crazy who is this jansport j dude and like Mm -hmm. now they're tapped into what i'm doing so exactly Yeah. yeah Uh, do you want to break down your your motto, the all attracting, no chasing? Yeah. So all attraction, no chasing is um, it's really like my life mantra. It's uh, and I think some people might mistake it for uh, sitting and waiting on opportunity. It's not about that. To me, it's about um, staying ready, staying prepared, doing the work, but not going outside of, uh, of who you are and chasing opportunities and chasing moments and stuff like that just doing things that feel super authentic to who you are and uh and what makes sense and it's really the mission mission statement of my career because going back to 2008 2009 i've seen so many eras of music and i've had so many people tell me to adapt to what was going on so i had you know even in 2008 where it's like man we need to like the 80s super bass like what cool kids were doing back then which was incredible but it's like man i could do that sometimes but that's not my sound and then and went to dubstep. You need to do dubstep. It's like, I don't do dubstep. It's like, well, you need to do trap now. It's like, I make soul music. You know, I make soul beats, and this is what I love doing. And sticking to that has what's allowed it's allowed me to do all the things that I've been doing, working with Nas and Hip Boy and Benny the Butcher, Freddie Gibbs, because it's come back around. And people who are in very, you know, high up in successful positions that I've had relationships before they were in that position. They have respect for me because it's like, man, Jasper never went out chasing anything or being goofy. He's just he is who he is. He works over here. He has respect like, man, I want to bring him onto this project. You know, so that's really what's about to me. It's just whatever you do, it's like, you know, definitely be open to expanding your horizons and doing new things. But don't do anything that's outside of who you are. that doesn't feel mm-hmm. right and feel like you're chasing people or opportunities or stuff like that. It's like. That's just goofy to me. It's like, I feel like every person on this planet is unique and special. And it's like, just do what you do at a high level and somebody's going to fuck with that, like highly. So it's like never compromising your vision, you know? Yeah. 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 And it gets, yeah. it gets challenging too, man. Cause like when you're, you're starting off, you want to like get those placements and you're hungry mm-hmm. for it, but you got to remain patient and just kind of stay authentic. Yeah. I went through it myself. I was going yeah. against my own mantra in the past you know, I'd say six months that a lot of things happened to where there was so much opportunity come in or coming in that I was just, okay, cool. Let me do this and let me do that. And I was neglecting my own like output to where it's like you said, I put out two to three tapes a year. I haven't put out a tape since June, which is like June of last year, which is crazy. So it's like, no, I got to kind of get back into what I'm doing. So it was like a nice reminder of like staying ready for opportunity, but never sacrifice or compromise what it is that you do either make it work within that or if it doesn't i can't do it you know i gotta stick to what i do so thanks bro 
Um, you have any advice for young emerging producers? Man, uh, or gems? Yeah, a couple, couple different things. I, I'd say the most important uh, thing that young producers could do is um, just be careful with your approach. It's, it's good to be ambitious. Uh, when I was younger and trying to get started, I would, uh, if I saw somebody that I looked up to or somebody that you know I wanted to work with at, at some point, I would just go to them and I would introduce myself by my producer name and I'd leave it at that. I wasn't pushing like, yo, I got to get you some beats or but I wasn't hounding them because I had the confidence that I'm going to put out my own beat tapes. I'm going to do remixes. I'm going to do whatever I got to do to get people to kind of know my name. And when they see it again, it's going to be in a favorable light because, it's like, oh, I met dude before. And oh, yeah, he does. Oh, that's dope. Instead of the first impression being me asking them for something. So I think it's important just to have that confidence in yourself and um, don't try to be too eager uh, meeting and working with new people, but also be assertive and just like introducing yourself and just, you know, put your name on their radar and do as much as you can independently. You know, there's nothing that's stopping producers from doing a, a beat tape or doing remixes and doing even learning how to DJ and doing DJ sets with your own music. Just figure out things that you could do every single day outside of relying on other people because as producers we could produce music for artists but the song is not coming out until they're ready for it to come out and mm -hmm. so now you're just waiting on everything that they're doing but it's like do that and also work on your own shit whether it's putting out just singles or if you want to put out albums or if you want to just do social media content like treat yourself like an artist and as a brand and um let that energy attract towards you where people want to work with you because you're confident you're doing your own thing. It's like, man, like I want to work with somebody like that. I just feel like that, that type of stuff rubs off. So like, that's the biggest thing I tell producers is just like, you know, just try to just be assertive about what you're doing and don't be too thirsty and uh, just be confident in yourself. Again, that comes back to your mantra too, you know, not, not yeah, just exactly. Uh, yeah. And that way too, you're divert, like diversifying your, your um, streams of income too in that way too you know like instead of right. just relying on you know one thing it's like yo let me go do these sets right here and right right promoting your brand at the same time right you're plugging yeah. your beats at these sets you're plugging yeah your, you know? i could put my my album up on Bandcamp, and then i could sell some merchandise there too and i could do right. cassette tapes and then i could work with quadri and like hey let's put out a project cool let's put out the instrumentals for that cool hey Somebody hit me up to do a beat set. All right, cool. I'll go do that. Oh, I can go DJ over here. It's like when you build up who you are and like just have everything kind of revolve around that, those lanes open up for you to where you could you know, make money in all those different lanes. And I also want, I want people to hear that. I don't want people to think that I'm at the mountaintop telling you how this works. I'm literally doing what I'm talking about and, you know, elevating. So it's not that, you know, I'm super rich or wealthy yet, but definitely putting everything in, into process the same way I've kind of grown from the early producer at 2009 to being who I am now with the credits. It's like, now I'm doing it the same way with my business. It's like, start off with the cassette tapes and then doing the hats and expand that and do a storefront. I have a plan for that. So it's also, I would tell people just to have a plan for what they want to do. Like, where do you want to see yourself and how do you get there? Mm, man, thank you for that, bro. Really appreciate oh, yeah. it. Again. Appreciate that. Yeah. yeah. And um, what are you looking forward to for the uh, for 2022? 
I'm looking forward to these albums coming out. Like I said before, there's mm-hmm. there's literally I want to say I had an Excel sheet, but there was like eight or nine projects that were just kind of like sitting in the queue. But now they're starting to come out. So we have the Buddha Sport project coming out um, next week. And then uh, the project with AJ Snow, me and Michael Christmas have a project. Um, there's more records in the stash with artists that I can't mention right now, but me and Hit Boy have some records together with some artists. And I'm just, I'm looking forward to the music that we've been working on coming out. Like that's what I'm most excited about. And just kind of also starting my other business ventures as far as like just getting super dived into hats and, and my all attraction, no chasing brand and just making that more of a tangible thing. That's fine. Yo, let me know if you need anything, uh, like any help with merchandise or anything too. Like For uh, sure, for sure. And you you guys are based up in Montreal? Montreal, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, where? Yeah, that's what's up. I'm in Toronto a lot. My girlfriend is oh, up dope. there. Yeah, I've been I've been hearing about Montreal for years, so I'm really trying to get up there the next oh, year or so. So we'll definitely scene, have to connect. Yeah, the scene is nice, bro. Like, there's a lot of, uh, like, just talent everywhere. You know, I just feel we don't right. get a lot of recognition compared to Toronto, which is more yeah, yeah. on a grand scale, but there's a yeah. lot. I've been tapped in with some of the artists up there. I know Katra's from up there, right? Yeah, of course. Yeah. And then uh, the homegirl, Cali Technus. And then yeah. uh, I have some DJ friends up there that are starting to make nice. noise. So, yeah, it sounds like a dope scene. Yeah. One of my last questions, and then I have like a, a Q&A that I just kind of collected a few questions on IG uh, okay. before. So I had a few questions that came in. But the last question I got for you is, uh, what does knowledge of self mean to you? Um, Knowledge itself is like our latest capsule that we just dropped. So just yeah, yeah. Kind of encapsulate everything. Yeah, well, I have a, um, I have a pretty deep relationship with that word. There's a, a time in my life, um, I'm sure you're somewhat familiar with it, but it's also applied with uh, 5% teachings, which is like a offshoot of Islam. It's kind of based off of that. But um, knowledge of self is one of the, the key tenets, uh, just as a black man and stuff like that but i won't go too deep into that but knowledge (laughs) itself is uh just literally it's just an important thing as far as um it's at the core of my all attraction no chasing mantra it's like you have to know exactly who you are and what you want and what you want to put out into the world to even be able to attract and know what not to chase so it's like before anything you have to know who you are and what you're here for and what you plan to do with your time here and have that knowledge of self before you could have the idea of like okay these are the things I want to attract and this is what I'm not chasing so it's at the very core of you know of who I am and how I approach things that's amazing man thank you thank you for sharing that yeah yeah uh, the five percent or stem for for me the way I discovered that was uh stemmed from RZA actually uh mm-hmm. that's how I discovered that whole uh yeah yeah, yeah. Gets deep, man. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I, I was uh I was never I was I wasn't a five percenter, but um I love the not to get too deep into it, the the concept of the supreme mathematics that they have with everything aligning with a certain number. I, I really kind of um it helped me set the tone for certain days where I would just kind of look at the date and just focus on what those tenants were. So I right. just took little things from that. That's it. Yeah. yeah. That's beautiful, man. Yeah. Um all right, so yeah, I have a few questions from the community. So uh, one of them from Moy Hart, it says, advice for those who want to start playing live. Um, I would say uh, when I started, I just started going to local shows and just introducing myself to people. Um, 
I'm a pretty quiet person. I was a shy kid, but this was 2000, maybe seven, when Dom Kennedy and Pag Div and you and I and Cool Kids are all starting to do shows. I just started going by myself to these shows and just meeting people and like inserting myself into a community and then just figuring out if there's an opportunity to play somewhere or, you know, down the street, they're doing like a, a showcase. Or I think I was back then too, just like, I would look at flyers if they were like local shows or something like that, uh, smaller ones and see who was throwing it and just email whoever was throwing it and see if there's an opportunity to hop on the show in the future, I'll play for free, but, you know, just kind of getting up there and doing that. So I would definitely say, you know, just kind of first before anything, like, immerse yourself into a community don't just kind of come in asking to play like figure out go to the shows support other artists make those relationships and then figure out like once you start doing that you'll figure out how to get on the shows and i'd say like those early shows you're not going to really get paid anything so um just make your own merchandise and stuff like that and have that to sell to people Mm, nice yeah um next one i got is from forever jay he said what's your favorite beat you've made Oh, that's a great question. <laughs> Favorite beat I ever made. Actually, you know what? I have an answer. It's kind of, I, I'll think of something that's out, but my favorite beat that I've made is on this album that I have coming out with Thurs called Self Love that I'm super excited about. But uh, outside of that, that's a great question. What is my favorite beat? I don't know if it's the the best beat, but I think my favorite song that like I would damn near end a set with is the one way flight that me and Hit Boy did together. Mm. Um, I feel like that's the one that stands out um, that I love. But as far as like a specific beat, man. Oh, you know what? I'll say right now, uh, also new that I did with Stally. Mm. I love that beat. Like as far as like making an actual beat, because it was like, the purest version of me it's a heavy rizza influence and um i just i love what i what i did with that one stally stally is cold man i i was following that guy like way back in the day um before mmg and everything and yeah uh-huh. cool. yeah I, that's he, my guy been, um like uh he was one of the first ones to well in my eyes and my time was like the first one to really collaborate with a lot of producers and do mm-hmm. those things like, yeah yeah for sure yeah he's yeah. he's uh he was at the forefront of a lot of stuff even like some of the the streetwear and hip-hop yeah. like combination and stuff like that stally's always kind of been at the forefront of stuff like that yeah yeah it's amazing um another one from the real money mo he said what's the best way to get placements the best way to get placements is just to do you and build your brand and understand that it's going to take a while it's not you know it's funny because when I was younger, starting out, I had this mind, I must have been like ahead of my time, but I had this mindset that I would tell people, it's like, could you see yourself producing for 10 years without making any real money? Like, would you still do it? If the answer is no, then don't sign up to do this. And it's not saying that it's going to take that long, but that's a mindset that you have to have where it's like, I'm building something. So right. the, I, I'd say the best way to do it it's just to brand yourself in your sound and just put out beat tapes, work with artists that you could work with easily and do whole projects with. I think that's a huge thing. And that goes back to the advice I give producers, find an artist that you could work with and produce a whole project. Mm-hmm. So that way you could showcase your sound like at a wider scale and um, just show people that you're capable of producing people. 
Um, but yeah, I, I think the best way to get placements is just to do your own thing and to garner the respect of people. And then um, that it'll happen naturally. It may not happen super quickly, but it's the best way to do it. And people will value what you're doing and not just kind of, you know, write you off. Yeah. Yeah. Even if you can't get that like big placement right away, you just start with your community, your friends, your surroundings. Yeah. You got a, a homie that raps. You want to collaborate with them on a joint album EP like yeah, yeah there is, you know, you start your, 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 your big placement could be that homie. If you just yeah. keep working and you help them like elevate, like that's who it could be. You know, mm -hmm. that's how I approach some of the stuff I'm doing now. It's like they're not the biggest artists, but it's like I see the potential in them. I always wanted to be an A&R. So like I treat it like an A&R right. where it's like, OK, I'm going to produce an A&R this project. And this is this is a big placement. They're just not that big yet. So I'm going to produce them and help level them up. And really what that does for me is like it shows like, wow, Jansport could get placements here and there. He could do B tapes and he's capable of artist development like that adds more value to what I'm doing. It showcases your your taste level, too, you know, and, and yeah, where your interest is. Mm -hmm. um, another one is Scott from Scott Onu. He asked, did making connections in the industry heavily influence the progression of your career? If so, who was that connection or connections? I mean, the biggest connection has been Hit Boy. Uh, mm, yeah. I've known Hit Boy. I think we like knew each other on Twitter in like 2011, 2012 or something like that, right before uh, he signed with Kanye. But we just always knew each other and had respect for each other. And um, I think we started working in 2014 off and on, like we might work on a record or two a year at a time or something like that, and then just reconnect. But I think since 2019 or 18, we really kind of got locked in and started working together. But working with him obviously has just like, it's opened me up uh, to a lot of people and just put a lot of eyes on me and, and what I do. So like, he's been, definitely the most crucial but even that's just a testament of like somebody i knew for about five or six years before a record even came out you know it's just like a natural relationship we we uh were fans of each other's music and when it made sense to work we worked but we didn't force it you know so mm -hmm. i would say hit boy was definitely super instrumental um in helping me get to another level as of late and um trying to think if there's anybody else i can think of I mean, there's, there's a lot of people who've helped me along the way have given me a lot of looks. Um, I think the Snoop placements helped a lot at that crucial time in like 2014. Um, so I'd say like Snoop and Hit Boy, really. Nice, nice. Yeah. Um, I got another one, Talib Matin. He said, should you buy your rights to every beat you send out to A&Rs and artists ahead of time or just send it out? No, <laughs> you uh, you just send it out. Uh, I. I think that's a, a common misconception that producers are responsible for clearing samples and stuff like that. It's not your job. Your job is to um, send the beats over and send the stems when they want the stems and disclose the information. Say, hey, this is there's a sample in here from this record, blah, blah, blah. And you provide that to them and it's the label's job to clear the record and everything. Right. So I see that sometimes like on Twitter or Instagram. And I know it's people that don't know what they're talking about when I've seen artists say uh, producers don't send me beats unless they're cleared or something like that. It's like a producer wouldn't clear a beat because he's not monetizing it yet. It's like it's just the beat that he made. 
we're right. we're clearing it because we're going to monetize it and it's going to be monetized through your album so your label or if you're independent and you want to be a nerd and clear it and like we'll clear it that way otherwise it's like you go guerrilla style with it or like you do it the proper way but it's unless you're putting out your own beat tape and you want to go about it on the up and up then that's when it's the producer's job to right. clear everything and pay for those rights mm. yeah. thanks for that man um mm -hmm. Last one is what advice can you give other music goers about your creative process? Um, my creative process, I, I could share this. One thing that I've really been tapping into lately that's a, a gift of mine is um, I grew up listening to a lot of music. And so my brain is a little bit of like a, a music encyclopedia. I don't know how to read or play music necessarily. Um, but when I work with musicians and stuff like that, I'm able to reference very specific records and say, like, yesterday we were working on a record and there was a certain instrument or a certain way I wanted it to play. And immediately I thought of uh, Tom Brown's Charisma, which is like a jazz record. And I played it for him. And I was like, something with this vibe right here. And he was able to translate that immediately. So I say, you know, just having a, a knowledge. Some people... Some people value like knowing how to play music and reading music. That's a very important skill and amazing, but it's just as important to just have a knowledge of records and music. So I would say um, that's heavily a part of my creative process. Just I constantly um, listen to music as much as I can, as far as like even with I'm a sample based producer. So a lot of times I just have samples playing in the background if I'm cleaning up the house or whatever. And that's something that I learned from Madlib. They said Madlib, he just plays records all day long so it's like constantly immersing yourself in it and um other parts of my creative process just actually creating when you're in the mood sometimes I feel like as producers we might feel like the Kanye you know old school Kanye we got to make beats every day five beats a day and I'm somebody that makes a lot of beats but at the same time as I get older it's like I might make 10 beats one week and then another week I might not have done anything because I'm actually working on the albums where the beats are done and we're trying to get it done so um I'd say that you know just immersing yourself in the music and kind of knowing your your workflow and um just uh doing something that works for you uh sometimes people nerd out about the rules of music how things are supposed to be mixed and, you know, snares are supposed to be here and kicks are supposed to be there. To me, it's about just knowing what it is that you do and what you like to hear and at least being consistent with it. So mm -hmm. if you listen to my music, it's not technically mixed the way a Grammy award winning engineer would want it mixed, but it has a certain style and feel to it because it's natural to me. And I've learned the plugins and the masterings and all the stuff that I like throwing on there to where I have my own sound. And that's something else that I just learned from people like Mad Lib and Ninth Wonder. It's about mm. your mix and how you do it, not necessarily the standard mix. Right. Damn. Thank you, bro. I really appreciate that. And like the community as well is gonna, I'm just gonna make sure to like filter some of those questions out on IG and just let them um, have those answers too. And I'm sure it's gonna empower a lot of young producers out there. So appreciate that. Yeah, yeah, definitely, man. Appreciate it. Yo, thanks for your time, bro. Like glad to connect with you and um, hope to, you know, connect in the future. 
and I'll let you know uh, once everything is kind of put together. Uh, mm-hmm. Aldo got some some fire shots of you too, so we'll send that. Okay, to you. where? Yeah, I was randomly thinking about that. I was like, oh man, he just took pictures I never even saw, but that's, yeah. that's what's up. Yeah, I'll send I'll send those to you this week uh, so you have those. Yeah. Okay, where? Where? Yeah. Sounds yeah. good. Man. All right, bro. Thanks for your time. Right. Appreciate yes, it. Yeah.